we've been up the coast. I've been wrestling with various things, including this sermon. And on Friday, my father-in-law said, well, Steve, have you got it done? And I said, well, all the blocks are there, but I've no idea how to put them together. Well, maybe all the blocks weren't there because I hadn't heard Paul's children's talk. But this is one of those mornings we're putting it together right now. Last night, Bally Castle's biggest night of the year. Between the hours of 7.45 and 8.30, Ballycastle Front is just jammed with people for a 15-minute firework display that is sensational. But if you haven't had your tea, and you go back to the house and you walk back and you see all this traffic and all these people, you're thinking, we're not eating to midnight. But within about 20 minutes... They're all back in the glens or wherever they go. And it's reasonably back to normal and we got to Brannigan's and had our donor kebab. But there was a moment where I was walking away from the fireworks and we looked back across the sea. Don't tell people, but that is the view. Not particularly perhaps at the darkest darkness of October 31st but as we looked across the sea the moon was literally blood orange hanging just above the horizon and everywhere you looked people were spooking you out with the scariest masks and costumes you've ever seen it was being in the middle of something freaky It was Halloween, the day before All Saints Day. And I guess there were symbols of the impossible. The darkness covers the land. The sense of evil, death. That somehow we mock and mimic on Halloween to protect ourselves from it. That's the origins of the dressing up. But I was obviously thinking out of Halloween and the eve of to all saints day in a sermon. Saints. Many places, thankfully not the one I'm in at the minute, could get a little bit sensitive to the very word. Is it not a Catholic idea? Well, no, it's pretty biblical if you just look at the text. That is one of the problems with us Protestants. We know our theology, but we just don't look at the text. We're not talking here about saints. We're talking about Saints. And we're talking as Patricia prayed before the service for the saints all across the world that are worshipping now. And I did a flip into the eternal with the communion of saints, which is right there in our creed, and somehow in the mystery of it, we're communing with the saints not only now, but then and in the future. Saints. 
those who've been redeemed, those who know the salvation that flew read about from Isaiah. Saints, heirs of the Father and joint heirs with Jesus. Saints, I wonder which ones most impacted your life. Maybe a youth worker just leaving us at the Amen who's already been a saint to some of our young people and children. Or somebody nearly beside you who the first time you came here just welcomed you. Or someone who taught you something. Maybe with us now, but maybe no longer with us. Saints. Those who God have used to shape our lives. There's more interaction in this sermon than normal. And I want you now, if it works, I'm looking at Matthew because it wasn't working because we were trying to deal with it in Facebook. But Matthew's a genius, so we have it now, we hope working. As we listen to this song, I want you to ponder the saints. The saints that have made you and shaped you into the person of God that you are. Traveling in the footsteps Of those that come before And we'll all be reunited On that new and sunlit shore Oh, when a saint Go marching in Oh, when a saint go Lord, I want to be in that number. Yeah, when the saints go marching. It will the sun refuses to shine. When the sun refuses to shine Lord, how I want to be in that number Oh, when the saints, they come marching in Oh, when the saints, they come marching in When the saints go Trump sound. 
Now some say, some say this world of trouble is the only world we'll ever see. But I'm waiting, I'm waiting for that morning when the new world is revealed. When the new world is revealed, when the new world is revealed, Lord, how I want to be there on that morning. say this world of trouble is the only one we'll see, but I'm waiting for that morning when a new world is revealed. I was in Dublin, was the Point Theatre at the time, when I watched this band doing this song, and when that trumpet blew, I was waiting for what I didn't believe in, the rapture, to take place right there. There's something about these spirituals that get into the very soul of our lives. And Bruce Springsteen on this particular Seeger Sessions tour, and I don't want to go into that because we haven't time, and I could wax lyrical about that for about a week, and then Gary Burnett could do another week on it. But this was a tour where they were doing the songs that Pete Seeger had made famous during the civil rights movement of the early 60s. And what really struck me was that in this concert of these songs that help to transform the impossible to the possible, break open the darkness of the segregation in America at that time and still needs to be broken into without question some places. But songs were the fuel, Martin Luther King said and others said, to this movement that brought hope and allowed the impossible to become possible. Seven Negro spiritual Baptist hymns were included in this set of songs. This one to me, the most beautiful and powerful, I think. And what these songs were doing was, they were songs that had been written in the plantation fields, some of them, 
of the southern states of America at a time when people were under captivity and slavery and darkness with the impossibility of freedom. And somehow these songs allowed them to find hope and reimagining in the despair. So James Cohen, the theologian and writer and activist with Martin Luther King would have said that these songs that talked about the hope of the saints coming marching in were not some pie in the sky that said to the people, well, just relax there in your slavery and abuse and injustice because someday it's going to be different. They were songs that gave a hope for the future that brought itself back into renewal and an energizing of justice in the present. And it seemed to me that as I looked at our lectionary readings this morning on All Saints Day, specifically there, Revelation 21 that Gordon, New Testament professor in Union, preached about two weeks ago, so not, help me not to contradict some of the things that he was saying, or Isaiah chapter 25 that Flo read with us with those revel- that Revelation chapter, that somehow what was happening in, on Patmos was that we were writing down these stories of a future that weren't to be pie in the sky but were to help a people through the persecution and compromise of the time that they were living in. And I was drawn to the Isaiah 25 passage because a commentary that I was reading on the Isaiah chapter 25 passage spoke about how in that passage that was read to us This banquet that the kings of the day, the people who ran empires of the day would do. They would throw these big banquets. If we remember back to Esther, actually, there was one of them happening right there in that particular book when we looked at it a few weeks ago. So you throw these huge feasts. And in these feasts, you can show your power. You can do a bit of networking. You can do a bit of wheeling and dealing. You can do all the things that kings and rulers and lords should do. In the midst of these feasts. Feasts that you will be aware of. Are incredibly important. From Genesis right through to Revelation. In our biblical story. Jesus talking a lot about feasts. That people weren't ready for. Or were ready for. Or were invited to. Or weren't invited to. Or whatever else. The interesting thing about the commentary. In this particular. These particular verses in in Isaiah 25. Were that basically. What would have happened in those feasts. Was that everybody would have enjoyed the feasting. Including the king or ruler. But in Isaiah 25, God, the ruler that throws this particular feast, doesn't partake. Instead, he's eating a cloth and other things instead of the feasting. Maybe like the sea disappears in Revelation 21 that we were thinking about a while ago. Death and evil and darkness is swallowed up by the king in this one for the good of the people. And for whatever reason... That drew me back to the Shawshank Redemption movie. Because I was confused by a scene in the Shawshank Redemption movie. Now, if you remember back six years, I did that one night. Do you remember? I'm sure you do. I watched all these scenes of Shawshank Redemption one Sunday afternoon. There wasn't a swear word in it. And then when I projected it on to the wall of the Alexander Hall, suddenly the swear words were so incredible that by the end I thought... Time to look for a new job after a very short time in Fitzroy. It's an earthy movie. 
But there's a scene in it that's always confused me. They're on the roof. Neil and I joke about this because he sometimes goes onto the roof at Stormont for a wee sandwich or a cup of coffee or whatever and tells us all on Twitter. They're on the roof. And Andy, the guy who's unjustly in prison and that the movie's about, don't again have the time to go into it and all those details, we may should do it in another evening. Um, he gets through some act of making connections with the wardens he gets all his mates a couple of beers each. They're sitting on the roof. They're in prison. Pretty violent, disciplinary prison. They're sitting on the roof with the sun beating down on them and they've all got a few cold beers. Except Andy. He doesn't take any of the beer. He sits off a bit distant. Never understand that particular scene until I read Isaiah 25 in the commentary on it. Because the Shawshank Redemption is just full of biblical analogies and symbolic moments and quotations. And I'm thinking Stephen King was thinking about this scene where the Lord gives a feast to the people, but it's not for him, it's for us. When the saints go marching in. This Isaiah, or this revelation scene rather, is quite spectacular. A new heaven and a new earth come down. Very important, a coming down rather than a going up. But we debated that when Neil Glover did we not at a church weekend a few years ago. And we don't want to get into all the theology of that. But here's what... The esteemed academic Desi Alexander says about this scene in the Zondervan Study Bible, which you should get yourself a copy of. Plug over. While we do not need to take everything in John's vision of the New Jerusalem literally, it likely anticipates the future existence of a redeemed humanity living together in harmony on a real earth. This expectation lines up with how Paul emphasizes bodily resurrection, 1 Corinthians 15. There is a good reason to believe that our existence in the world to come will not be entirely dissimilar to what we experience now, but without the negative impact of evil, sin, and death. And as we have this book that's apocalyptic, prophetic, and pastoral that John has written in Patmos, As we have it as that conclusion of the scripture, starting with God creating, ending with a new creation, we find that this story should be the story that inside of us energizes, strengthens, gives solace, and helps us to deal with the impossible, and maybe even at times see the impossible becoming possible it's not an escape or a pie in the sky for another life it's a hope that comes to renew and give robustness to the life of faith we have now there's another scene in the Shawshank Redemption I'm trying to work out here as I look at my watch whether I have time to play this or not Matthew but bear with me 
The Shawshank Redemption is about hopelessness. A man has been unjustly accused of killing his wife and he ends up in this awful prison and he deals, it's, it's violent, it's rough. Somehow this one character seems to be able to get through it no matter what's thrown at him. How is he doing it? Well, a situation arises where he's thrown into solitary confinement because he's played an opera out through the PA into the prison yard and the guards don't like that so they come to stop him and he locks the door and makes sure that the prisoners just get this moment of grace for a little bit of time in the midst of the despair. So he's thrown into isolation and he comes out and when he comes back to the table with the boys they ask him how he gets through that and he says the music And they say, what music? You were in solitary confinement. What music? And he says, the music. The music. Do you not keep the music? Do you not play the music? The music. They can't take that away from you because it's there with you. You take it into solitary confinement with you. That's what sees me through. I can hear the music. I can play the music. As outward things are happening, inwardly the music is being transformational hopeful and helping me with the impossible. I think our biblical story does that same thing for us. When we face this darkness or death that we're thinking about this particular weekend in our calendar, when we think about the darkness and those impossible things that Chris was sharing, that he'd been sharing with his friends recently in Syria or Northern Ireland or other places, when it seems everything's in despair, this story underneath that we carry with us, let the word of God dwell in you richly, Paul wrote to the church in Colossae. Why did he want to dwell in them richly? Because they would go through times when the only hope they would find would be inside, not outside. But the hope that was inside would nourish them enough to be able to deal with the outside and even change and renew the outside. May it be a light to you in dark places when all other lights go out. Tolkien via Paul Bowman on Facebook this morning. May it be a light to you in dark places when all other lights go out. Revelation 21, 1 Corinthians 15, John chapter 11, Isaiah 25. This story that is our story, that in Christ the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world that we have the privilege of becoming a part of. Do you have it? Does it see you through like the gospel songs that the slaves sang? Hope. Hope's a dangerous thing. Red, the guy that Andy's working on in the Shawshank, doesn't want anything to do with hope. And Andy looks at him and says, remember that hope is a good thing. Red may be the best of things. And no good thing 
ever dies. What's going to see you through this week? What's going to see you through next week? Because we live in a world where we are surrounded by death and darkness and that which would have been dressed up last night to be visible around us. But on All Saints Day, we have the story of Revelation. We have the story of Isaiah 25. We have another story that we carry within us that sees us through. I'm going to show it even though we're late. Now, there's a wee bad word in this, but not as bad as the ones I showed upstairs, so bear with me. Hey, look who's here. Maestro. Hey. And you couldn't play something good, huh? Hank Williams. They broke the door down before I could take requests. Was it worth it? Two weeks in the hall? Easiest time I ever did. Oh, shit. No such thing as easy time in the hall. That's right. A week in the hall is like a year. Damn straight. I had Mr. Mozart to keep me company. <laughs> so they let you tote that record player down there, huh? He's in here. In here. That's the beauty of music. They can't get that from you. Haven't you ever felt that way about music? Well, I played a main harmonica as a younger man. Lost interest in it, though. Didn't make much sense in here. Here's where it makes the most sense. You need it so you don't forget. Forget? Forget that there are places in the world that aren't made out of stone. That there's a... There's something inside that they can't get to that they can't touch it's yours talk hope hope I'm gonna tell you something my friend hope is a dangerous thing hope can drive a man insane it's got no use on the inside better get used to that idea. Like Brooks did. Dear Red, if you're reading this, you've gotten out. And if you've come this far, maybe you're willing to come a little further. You remember the name of the town, don't you? Say what to nail. I could use a good man to help me get my project on wheels. I'll keep an eye out for you, and the chessboard ready. 
Remember, Red, hope is a good thing, maybe the best of things, and no good thing ever dies. I will be hoping that this letter finds you, and finds you well. Your friend, Andy. Second time in my life, I'm guilty of committing a crime. A role violation. Of course, I doubt they'll toss up any roadblocks for that. Not for an old crook like me. Fort Hancock, Texas, please. I find I'm so excited I can barely sit still or hold a thought in my head. I think it's the excitement only a free man can feel. A free man at the start of a long journey whose conclusion is uncertain. I hope I can make it across the border. I hope to see my friend and shake his hand. I hope the Pacific is as blue as it has been in my dreams. Pray together. Lord, there are many things going on in the lives of each one of us. Challenges. Despair. Fear. Seemingly impossible things. We pray that in our, on our inside, in our minds, in our hearts, in our souls, we would have that hope. The hope of the stories we read this morning, the hope of the songs that we sang, the hope that Jesus came to bring us. Lord, we pray that your word would dwell in us richly. Your story from the garden to the city, from fallen Eden to the redeemed Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven. And as we find ourselves in that story, that we would know that hope is a good thing, maybe the best of things. And no good thing ever dies. Amen.